It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me today and as always is Griggs Blankenberg. And this is probably the least planning we've ever done for this show in its history. So Griggs, good morning. And that's saying something too because we've that had is, shows we, where we've walked in five minutes beforehand. Yeah, we walked in right as 11 today. So. We've had technical difficulties and playing more. But yeah. Whatever, it is the Eagles Nest once again back here. Non Weagle 91.1 FM talking all things sports today. Let's just go ahead and get it started with the big news from the weekend. And we travel one last time this year back to Augusta for a tradition unlike any other with the 87th edition of the Masters and Mr. John Rom out of Arizona State University by way of Spain wins the 87th edition of the Masters, beating out Brooks Kiepka and surprisingly enough, Phil Mickelson to win his first green jacket, his second major halfway to the Grand Slam after winning the U.S. Open and the P- uh, and the Masters. So I'd say he's already got the two hardest ones out of the way. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it was a very, very fun Masters. One of my favorites, uh, my favorite guy, Jordan Spieth, was in um, contention for a little bit on Sunday, so that was nice to see. And just, like, I was texting a friend of mine after who just isn't really a golf fan, and I was like, this is probably one of the best Masters of the last couple of years, at least in my personal opinion. I, yeah. And then I had to explain the factor that is post-week, like post-Masters week blues. Um, but hey, it's different this year now with the designated events because a lot of them sure. are playing the RBC Heritage, which is a gorgeous course. I don't know why in the world they've scheduled it yeah. every year after the Masters. I guess it's just traditions. I agree. But and I'm really glad to see John Rahm playing. Um, did you hear what he said, though, about yeah, it? Yeah, he said, like, if he – the kids want to see the Masters champion, so a lot of respect, even more respect, to John Rom for playing, and you know I can't wait to watch this weekend. We're yeah, starting today. It's gonna to be a, a good, good tournament. And then a little bit of a look at the leaderboard. John Rom wins minus twelve. He's twelve under, winning a cool three point two million dollars in six hundred FedEx Cup points, finishing with a sixty nine round on the fourth. Round four, and we were watching the show while it was happening, Daniel. He started off with a double bogey. We were on the air live when John Rahm had a double bogey in round one on hole one, and then he ended up finishing that day with a 65. Yeah. Um, really, really impressive uh, turnaround. It was, the ex- it was the exact opposite of what happened with Scotty last year. Scotty ended with a double bogey. He started with a double bogey. I'd say it's probably a little bit harder to end with a, uh, start with a double bogey. Yeah, like, I just wonder what's got to be going through your mind when you are, you know – on the 18th tee box on Sunday, you have a four-stroke lead, and you know pretty much it, as long as you uh, go double bogey or better, you're going to probably win. Like, that's just got to be a euphoric feeling. It really does. I mean, I can't imagine whether – I wish we had a little bit more action on Sunday in the back nine. It felt yeah. like the back nine was just pretty – we all kind of knew what was going to happen. John Rahm's not the type to just go, quote-unquote, off the rails with his play. So, I guess that was nice. I didn't want to, like – sweat it out per se yeah um I always do like 2018 I think it was either 17 or 18 will always be a good one in my opinion because we went to a playoff just plenty of action on the back nine um so those are always really cool to see but I'm happy for John Rom. um it's a great deal for um, Spanish golfers 
mm-hmm. um, just everything about it was just really, really cool to see. And, you know, I can't wait to get back to Augusta next year. Yeah. And then also the talk was that the performance of the lift players were kind of kind of half and half. It's kind of like how you'd expect with golf. I mean, you had you had three live guys finish in the top five, and Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka tied for second at eight under. And then Patrick Reed, everyone's favorite golf. Please don't. Um, did you see that guy's video on uh, Twitter? The guy who does the Masters recap? And that's so. what's going on in Augusta. I got to show you that video during the break. He's hilarious. They were talking about Patrick Reed, and they started chanting, Don't sue us. Don't sue us. <laughs> oh, I'll show you that during the break. That was funny, though. But, yeah, interesting weekend for live golf, and especially with Bryson DeChambeau, everyone's favorite golfer, since calling Augusta National a par 67 for him. And has only shot a 67th one time in one round and is, did not make the cut in the second half this year, shooting back-to-back 74s. Yeah, I just never talk trash about Augusta. That's what uh, uh, Sam Bennett learned in the second day. Yeah, it, it won't go well for you. One thing I was kind of upset with is, and you probably were as well, the performance of Roy McIlroy. Yeah, I um, – What is going on with him? Man? Like, I don't know, because he was my pick to win. So Scotty was mine, but just like he just can't get a feel for this course. And it's – I mean, I don't want like he's still very, very good, but you don't. I mean, would you say he's near-ish the back half of his career? I don't know how to. It's weird for golf that way. Yeah, because I mean, like obviously, guys who are I know he's not, but guys who are Masters champions, like their careers technically never over as long as they want to keep playing the Masters. And uh, yeah, I just it's hard to say because. Sorry, mm-hmm. haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just kind of hard to say because with golf, there's no like timetable. Like they're like pretty much any other sport, twenty to forty seems to be the range. But just with golf, especially with Augusta, like well, he's won the majors, so majors get you. I think every major except the PGA, you get to play every year, and then I think the P, uh, until you want. I mean, John Daly's still playing the PGA yeah. for some. I I think you could play every major until you're tired. I remember seeing there was one that you couldn't. But I can't remember which one. Uh, I know the Open has a cutoff. I think at like sixty-five or something like that. Where, mm-hmm. and then Gus is like, you at least have to look competitive. I think. I think that's what their rule is for people playing. But yeah, I just he's got a. Uh, I mean, the, he's not won a major. In, they, I think they said it a couple times on the broadcast. He's not won a major in six years. Wow. I think. But like I me, mean, last year he played one of his best years we've seen him play ever. Yeah. I mean, he won the FedEx Cup. So, I mean, you had to have played really good. But, I don't know. He's had a setback. I don't think he made the cut at the players either, I remember seeing, if I'm correct. I don't think he did. Yeah, just just little things this, that happened. But I had a good Masters. But you sure. want to talk about what everyone was talking about on Sunday after the sh- after the Masters besides Rom winning? Well, what was that? I didn't even notice this before, and I know it was a thing. I didn't follow golf too, too much the start of this year. But this play of Patrick Cantley. Oh, yes. I did not know it was that bad. Like, I felt like the Masters were going a little bit long, but I did not know why. Yeah. Um, that That's one thing that just it seems like would be better regulated in something like the Masters. Like, someone at some point would come say, like, all right, buddy, you got to speed this thing up. Mm-hmm. Um. But just, you know, didn't really happen that way. So I'm just kind of interested to see if, like, rules change or, you know, having to play ready golf is more enforced, like, next year. 
Yeah, I just want to see just it still be like his excuse. I understood it because it was kind of backed up all day. Because a they had both players playing the back nine and the front nine at the same time, so there was a little bit of confusion with that. And then also b just everyone was just so bunched up at the start just because they had they played. I think the Leaders played like thirty something holes on Saturday, on Sunday. Yeah, just um, a little bit of that, but. I mean, I don't think he plays like that all the time. If he plays like that in the future, I think they'll say something. I remember them having to, like, rules officials coming out saying, hey, dude, you got to speed it up with some golfers in the past. But mm-hmm. I think it just might be a little bit different, I guess, since not really PGA show to run, per se. Right, right. But, yeah. But this week, we want to talk about Harbortown for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Beautiful golf course. It's the uh, RBC Heritage Golf Tournament at Harbortown Golf Links at Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Everyone's favorite, apparently – Jordan Spieth won last year on Easter Sunday purse this week, Daniel. $20 million. $20 million. That's more than you win for getting the Masters. That's, Masters That's a has, nice chunk of change. Masters has $18 million purse. This one has a $20 million. If you do not remember from our talk, I think at the beginning of the year, the RB, uh, RBC is one of the elevated events, so that means their purse got bumped up this year. Oh, my goodness. The top of the leaderboard right now, Brian Harmon and then – Legend of full swing, Joel, Joel Damon. Damon. Five under through 17. Let's Gonna go, finish Joe. In the clubhouse, around tied for second. This looks like it's playing like a pretty easy course this week, but I, I remember that being the case in the past with this course. Yeah. Um, this is awesome, man. I'm so, so, it's so good to see that. Wow. That's look, really cool. Looking at all these players playing. It's a lot of players. I mean, also with Rory, Rory skipping uh, this tournament as well. That's a second elevated event. I don't know what that's going to mean because I think you're only allowed to miss one elevated event this year. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. The hey. Poster um, boy of the PGA. Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, and then Stuart Sink, Justin Rose, um, JT Potson. They all are, I don't know if in the same group. One's probably one group is probably going off the front. One's probably going off the back, but they're all playing. They all tee off at twelve seventeen central. So that's cool to see. Yeah, and I'm just glad the golf's just still going because, like, I think that's the big thing with the Masters. Just like people were just craving more golf really after the Masters. Yeah, and then they turn on this turn maybe like who like new golf people are like who in the world is Jim Furyk? Right, right. They want to see people who like like what he said like John Rom. They want to see people who have won stuff and. Yeah, that's that's what they're looking for. But yeah, this is a great question. I I imagine they started on the back nine because right now Max Homa's even through seventeen. So yeah, I imagine they're playing the back nine first. I could be wrong though. Did you ever play competitive golf at all? No, I've okay. never been competitive playing golf. So um, like I played growing up, and the tournaments where they like it's called shotgun starting when you like you have like live. Yeah, like when you have people going off different holes, it's kind of just like. It was fine if I'd never played the course before, but for example, a course I played a lot was this one called Timberline, mm-hmm. and we had a tournament there my junior year of high school, and um, I had to start on the twelfth hole. Hmm. It just kind of threw the whole day off because I was so used to you know obviously starting on one there. Yeah, I feel like yeah, starting on one or like starting on like ten would be the only like exceptions. Like, yeah, like yeah. That. I, I could have, but yeah, starting on twelve, it was a par three. And starting with a par three is the worst thing for me in mm. golf. Like I hate par threes. Um, my irons are terrible, so I don't like par threes really either. Because like yeah. I'm just like, do I do I bump and run it or do I just deal with it? 
Yeah, so having to start on a par three, like I double bogeyed that hole, which to be fair, it was good for me. <laughs> but it was just, it kind of threw the whole day off. So I kind of feel bad for these guys having to play it like that. Yeah, that's going to do it for our talk on the Masters and golf in general. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of NBA, the National Basketball Association playoffs or plans are kicking off soon. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. We opened up the show this morning with a little Masters recap and a little RBC Heritage preview. Uh, let's see. I already forgot who's currently leading, but I know Joel Damon's in second place. So that's awesome to see. That is awesome to see. Let's go ahead and kick it right into the world of the National Basketball Association. So the last two days have been the play-in tournament. So far, we had the Atlanta Hawks beating up on the – who they beat? They beat the Miami Heat. Miami yep. will play in a one-off game against the Chicago Bulls, I think, tomorrow night. The winner of that will play the Milwaukee Bucks. And then on the other side, it is the Los Angeles Lakers playing the Memphis Grizzlies. After the Lakers defeated the Timberwolves, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then the Timberwolves will face off against the – who won last – I'm sorry, I'm, my mind is going blank. They will face off against the Oklahoma City Thunder to take on the Denver Nuggets in the first round. So yeah. the playoff matches are as follows. Milwaukee Bucks will either play the Heat or they'll play the Bulls in the 1-8 game. In the 2-7 game, it's the Boston Celtics taking on the number 7 seed Atlanta Hawks. Let's go Seas, baby. Uh, 76ers taking on the Brooklyn Nets in the round of the 3-6 matchup. And then in the 4-5, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the New York Knicks. I'm actually excited about this series. I think it's going to be really good. I think the Knicks are going to win. The Cavs just have a lot of like good factors. I think the matter of it being at home to start is just a really big help for teams, mm-hmm. especially with the Knicks. The Knicks are favored on ESPN's BPI, but Caesars has them uh, the Cavs as a minus 205 favorite. So that's going to be interesting to see. And I feel like the Bucks are set up to come out of the East. It's just because I think what's going to happen is the Celtics are going to beat the Hawks, the 76ers are going to beat the Nets, and then those two are going to beat up on each other for six or seven games while the Bucks beat up on the Cavs or Knicks in four or five games. And then it's going to be what we thought might have happened last year where – with the Heat, with the Heat just went to like seven games in each series. So I feel like, and then this tired everyone out. So I th- yeah. think that's a possibility. Um, I've said this before, but what really helped these Celtics in the uh, playoffs last year was sweeping the, the Nets in the first round. Because mm-hmm. that's because obviously you went to seven against Milwaukee, seven against Miami. Both of those series were brutal, and then you, you lost to Golden State in six. But I really think I don't think the um, Celtics really would have been able to get like past the Heat if they hadn't saved that time at the beginning. So if you're the Celtics, you really need to a sweep or a gentleman's sweep over the Hawks. Is, a whomping. Yeah, like you need it, and it's doable. Um, you know, Trey, game one. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say yeah, you're right. They, they can, you can afford one game. Just Trey Young will go off on one game. That sure. is a fact. You just can't have that be. Preferably on the road. I feel like if you start out 2-0, then you're smooth sailing a little bit. If you, yeah. the Hawks find a way to take one game, then it gets a little interesting, especially since they get 
NBA's weird like this, man. They'll go. It's not like baseball. They'll go two, three, two. They go two, two, one, one, one. Yeah, I've never really been a huge fan of that. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it is kind of lopsided for one team to have game six and seven at home. So this kind of evens that up a little bit. And this is why I don't like the NBA playoffs at all. They'll take three days off in the first round, and that's why we'll. Yeah. I was at my friend's beach house in like June, mid June last year, while Auburn was in the. the we will get to the College World Series before the end of the MLB playoffs until the end of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, that's insane. College World, we're still playing conference baseball, and the NBA tournament is just started. I just don't like it. They just drag it out so much. I get yeah. why they do it, but and the NHL is the same way. Um, it is, but the NHL tends to wrap up quicker ish. They don't take as many days off, really, because I remember when they play every other day. Because I remember when um, the NHL. Uh, one there, one. Uh, we was in. I was in another beach, but the thing is, it's just, it just takes so long. I get it, sponsorship, revenue, all this stuff. But when the basketball playoffs take up the same time span as like a third of the season, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, you definitely make a valid point. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see if that's something because I mean, we're we're not the first people to complain about that. No, we're not. So I wonder if, you know. Before the next couple of years, we'll see them make some changes. I doubt it, especially with the playing tournament starting everything earlier. I don't know. But, Daniel, nonetheless, who do you got coming out of the Eastern Conference? The Eastern Conference? Let's do our predictions right now. I think I know who you want to pick, but I just want to hear what you think. I want to pick the Boston Celtics so bad because I really want to see them get back to the finals and win it this time. However, I'm I'm just I really don't know um, what I think, and I hope I'm wrong. But I think the Celtics are going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and fall to the Bucks in seven. That's just kind of what I see happening. I think I can see that. I'm thinking Bucks beat the Celtics in six, just because a healthy Milwaukee team having to play either the Heat or having to play the Bulls, who the Bulls aren't that great, but they found a way last night. And with a healthy Giannis back now, Drew Holiday. Uh, Chris Middleton, I think they can they can do it. I just I think the Celtics have a great chance too. It's just you can't have it. I know it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna be an awesome series if it's Celtics versus Seventy Sixers. But whoever comes out of that, I just can't I can't imagine them winning, just because of how much they'll beat each other up. Yeah, um, especially with the Seventy Sixers playing the depleted Nets now, where yeah they have some they have some guys now, but it's not the same Nets. Sure. I'm I'm really closely aligned with your thoughts there. Um, I just think what the help would, would help the Celtics is again a sweep or a, a womp of the uh the Hawks. You can't go to 6 or 7 with the Hawks. Yeah. All right, moving on, let's go to the Western Conference again. It'll be Denver versus the winner of the Thunder versus Timberwolves matchup. And then the 2-7 matchup will be the Memphis Grizzlies playing against the Los Angeles Lakers. 3-6 matchup will be the Sacramento Kings versus the Golden State Warriors. And then in the 4-5 matchup, it is the Phoenix Suns taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. Which series are you most excited about for this one? Conference, Daniel. Um, Honestly, I don't know. Um, Okay, actually, I do know. Sacramento Kings, the new kid on the block mm-hmm. in the playoffs. You know, they had one of the longest... Um, playoff droughts in, prof- in American professional sports going into this year. Uh, they managed to get in. They're a three seed, and 
a conference that you know we've definitely seen the shift because you know every every five or six years or so it shifts between the east and the west and who, which one's tougher. I think it's the first time since LeBron's left we've really seen the East be super like competitive with multiple teams. Sure, and where the West is like a little bit cut and dry. Like I don't. Do you think the Nuggets are going to go to the finals? I no. don't. But um, yeah, I just you know the Kings are the three seed. On the other side, you have the Golden State Warriors, a team that you know. Still is that core that won all those championships. The dynasty. Yeah. So they have probably played, I, I don't even know if, how to estimate, probably 40 or 50 playoff games, maybe more, together. So I'd say that, yeah. It, it's definitely nothing new to them at all. So that definitely doesn't bode well for the Kings. What does, though, is they're the home team for this, and the Warriors are terrible on the road this year. Sure. That helps them out. But – then again, it's the Warriors. It's the Warriors. And then I'm most interested in the Suns-Clippers matchup mm-hmm. because I think the Suns, if there's going to be any year, I think it's going to be this one. Yeah. Or next year, I think, because I think this is the last two years where Chris Paul will be really good still mm-hmm. with Devin Booker, um, DeAndre Aiden, and now Kevin Durant healthy. And they're taking on the Clippers who are going to start the series without Paul George. So that's going to be interesting. But And then I think Grizzlies-Lakers could be like a six, seven-game series. Because I think so how too. physical it's going to be, but nonetheless, Daniel, who you got coming out of the West? Out of the West, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies this year, man. Mm. Um, I don't know why. I just they had some team issues. They worked through them. Um, more, more player issue, sure. Um, they worked through it. Regardless, they managed to stay tight, get the two seed, and I really like their chances. Who do you have them beating in the Western Conference Finals then? Hmm. You know what? I'm gonna go with the Kings. Ooh. Nice little two-three seed matchup. I think. I'm gonna go Warriors over the Grizzlies. Okay. I just think, cause again, the seed next to their name doesn't show their name. Cause if we're having a dude off right now, Golden State's beating anyone. Yeah. A name off. Like, they're favored against the Kings, minus 265, and they're a six seed taking on a three seed. Mm-hmm. Just, I'd love it. It would be cool if the Kings surprised me. Just, Golden State's been there before. You can tell, I think you're going to be able to tell early this series, which teams has playoffs experience and which ones don't. Sure. Because they're not. you're not taking any rest breaks during these series. Mm-hmm. You're going full throttle, and the Warriors know how to do that. They have one of the best play, best the best shooter of all time, one of the best playoff performers so far we've seen. It's Steph Curry, four and one in the finals. I wait, that's right. Yeah, they only lost the Le- Le- LeBron. Yeah, mm-hmm. four and one in finals. They know what they did to do. They're trying to get that fifth ring with that core of Clay, Draymond, and Steph. Four and two. They lost to the Raptors. I go. Yeah, I forgot about the Raptors. Series. I did too. That's yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that. They almost didn't even make it because of that Kawhi Leonard three point shot. Yeah, they were tied and they hit that. Yeah, but. Just the dynasty that they're creating. I think if Steph gets a fifth, I think he'll move up into, I think, the top ten of the greatest players of all time. I mean, you just can't. The person who has the most three-pointers in NBA history with all that and just, I don't know. But then again, I could see the Kings even beating them in, in seven six seven games. I could too. I don't think this series is going to be a sweep. I think it'll be a five-game sweep. And then I think the one team I'm most worried about, again, is the Suns. Because, again, the number next to their name does not show who they have on the court. Right. With Kevin Durant, 
Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, all these players. Just I really think the West is going to be a more com- have more competitive series. I think the most competitive series out of the East. I'm hoping it's going to be 76ers versus Celtics, just because it's just going to be Philly Boston. It's going to be awesome. But then again, I'm excited for the NBA playoffs because I've not been in this aside in a, in a minute ever since the Hornets last made it in in like 2016, 17. Yeah, I was really excited last year. Um, and you have, but you have more expectations this year than last sure. year, because you went in last year really thinking we're playing the we're the four or five game. We really got nothing really to lose. Yeah, last year I went into this thing thinking like, okay, we're the three seed. Um, or my bad, I'm a three seed. No, you're good. Uh, at least I think no, we were the two, I believe. One of them, and then you're playing the Nets. Yeah. So it wasn't until after we swept the Nets I was like, okay, like this team is NBA Finals potential. Um. And then I just kind of – They just got super fatigued. Sure. Uh, last year was – that's probably the most into the NBA playoffs I've been. And, like, I love the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what's going on, I always tune in um, just because it's some of the best basketball. But, like, last year it was on another level. Like, I watched every Celtics game. Um, and I plan to do the same this year. And, you know – my winter sports are having another good year because we're going to get into that next. And you better be- you better believe it. I'll be watching every single one of those games as well. What team is Daniel talking about? Well, we're going to have to find out after the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that other sport. So do not worry. It's playoff time for that sport as well. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. We opened up today with a recap of one of the best Masters of the last few years and a preview of the RBC Heritage Classic, which is underway as we speak. Then we went over to the hardwood to talk about the NBA playoffs, and now we're heading to the rink to talk about the NHL playoffs as the regular season has come to a close tonight. Yes. So all the playoff spots have been locked up. We'll go through those real quickly in the East coming out are the uh, President's Cup winning Atlanta and Atlantic Division, Boston Bruins, 133 points, followed by the Leafs, Lightning, and the Panthers. And in the Metropolitan Division, it's the Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers, and Islanders. Pittsburgh Penguins break the longest active playoff streak of any major sport in the United States and Canada, I guess if you're counting NHL and NBA and MLB, of I think it was 17 years, 18? Yeah, um, which is crazy because um – Back in 2017, I think it was, the Detroit Red Wings lost their 23-year streak. Um, and then they've kept it going. They've not restarted that streak in a minute. Yeah. Uh, a year or two later, the San Antonio Spurs uh, lost their streak. And then they haven't gotten back. And what's crazy is that, and I know we just talked about the NBA, so I'm not going to dwell on this, but this is just one of those things that's just insane like to hear. Mm-hmm. Until then, like until the San Antonio Spurs like broke that streak, mm-hmm. they had missed the playoffs five times in their whole uh, franchise. And then Tim Duncan never missed the playoffs with the Spurs, so that was like right. twenty-one something years. Yeah, that's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, they the Penguins had a sixteen straight playoff appearances. It was the longest active streak in the NHL, NBA, NFL, or MLB, and that was two thousand six. For those not good with the math, so the last time the Penguins missed the playoffs, LeBron James is making his playoff debut at twenty-one years old. Connor McDavid was nine. Lionel Messi had not even scored a World Cup goal for Argentina yet, and I don't even know what this last one means. We were three. We were three. Yeah, you, I w- you were four. I was, f- I was three. Four, yeah, I was four at the time. But, yeah, that streak is over. Um, I think, again, we talked about this last week, but 
Can't imagine that core. I mean, it would just be. I think it's Sid will stick around, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Penn's fans are lucky. That he has nothing to chase. Like he's done everything. Um, if that wasn't the case, you might be saying goodbye to him for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know. Um, obviously, you hate to see that. But as a Bruins fan, who's, you, you don't I, hate to see it. No, <laughs> I, I really. I'm not. I don't hide my bias. I dislike. The Penguins, I dislike the Maple Leafs, I dislike the Lightning. And the Hurricanes. And Hurricanes. We are an anti-Hurricanes podcast. And the Canadians, and th- that's pretty much it. Like, I used to really hate And the Oilers. And the Oilers, of yes, course. We're an, anti- we're an anti-Hurricanes and Oilers podcast. But, of course. yes, moving on to the West Conference now. Just because we said that, that's going to be the cup, isn't it? There's no way. They can't <laughs> They can't do it. Um, moving on to the West now. No one has lost. Oh, you forgot to say in the Metropolitan. Uh, tonight, game 82 the Hurricanes have a one-point lead over the Devils. So what's the first tiebreaker if the Hurricanes have an overtime loss and the Devils win? Um, I think head-to-head. Okay. I think – I I think okay. Then that means it's not showing up on ESPN, but I don't know. We'll s- That's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I agree. We'll see how that one works out. Or it might be just by division or something like that maybe. Maybe so. I don't know. The Hurricanes have the lead in the Metropolitan, if that's the case. But that game will be decided tonight. The Hurricanes are playing the Florida Panthers, who have locked up a playoff spot, I believe. Yes, they're the last wildcard team. They'll play them, and then the Devils will play the Washington Capitals, who've got nothing to lose. Nope. And then now we'll move on to the West, where it's the same thing in both divisions. That's the Dallas Stars, the Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, and the Winnipeg Jets coming out of the Central, t- representing them in the playoffs. And then in the Pacific, it will be the Knights, Oilers, Kings, and Kraken. Yes! Both the Stars. The Avalanche still have two games left to play, so the Stars have their final game of the season, I think, tonight. Uh, yes, they will play the uh, St. Louis Blues tonight, and then tomorrow night, It'll be uh, just it'll be Colorado taking on Nashville, and then also tonight Colorado will take on uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So Colorado still has two games left. They're a point behind the Stars. If you're a Stars fan, you probably are not sitting too comfortably right now. No, uh, you're not. You, you are not at all. I've been in that position. The stove is hot. You you definitely need a win tonight for the Stars to just have any hope of Colorado not getting back to back wins. Sure, but. That's the only thing with that. They're on a, but the Stars are on a five-game win streak, though, so that'll help them. They're eight and two in their last ten, and then finally in the Pacific, it'll come down to the Knights and the Oilers, both with one game to play. The Knights hold a two-point advantage over the Oilers tonight. The I, the Knights are taking on the Seattle Kraken, and the Edmonton Oilers are taking on the San Jose Sharks. The uh, the Knights are on the road, and the Oilers are at home. This game will decide if the Knights get an overtime loss, they will clinch the Pacific. If the Oilers win, I think it'll come down to that, whether it be head-to-head or verse division, uh, which then they would, the Oilers would take the lead because they have a better record in the Pacific. Yeah. Very, very excited for the NHL playoffs. They are, I try to tell this to people all the time, they are some of the most fun playoffs. Yeah, okay, so regulation wins are the first tiebreaker. Okay. So then... That would mean they would both be equal on the wins if the Knights lose tonight and the um, Oilers win, and then and regulation plus overtime wins are the second tiebreaker. So I don't they're not they don't break down over regulation wins on this category. 
and on ESPN, but yeah, they do the RW next to points. Am I not seeing that? Are you on the league standings or the division? Okay, you're looking at I don't know. Oh, expanded. I probably should look at expanded. Um, I still don't see it. Huh? Whatever. But Dana, what you can hit for us? Well, who has the more regulation wins out of those two? The Knights or the Oilers? Um, Knights, 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 Knights. I just had it. Uh, oh wow. The Oilers, and it's not even close. The Oilers have 44, Knights have 37. Okay, so the Knights definitely need a win tonight to secure that, or at least an overtime loss, because then yeah. the Oilers will smoke them on that. And then, Daniel, for the um, up top, so let's go to the um, – where, where, where was I talking about? The um, What is the other game we were looking at? The uh, Devils and Canes. Yes, yeah. the Devils and Canes. Who has that tie? Oh yeah, I see. Regu- I see regulation wins now. So it would be the Devils taking that one then. Yeah. If the Devils were to have an overtime loss tonight, and then the Hurricanes were to just not um uh, to lose, so they would take that one. And then in the Western Conference, it would be the Stars taking the advantage if they somehow tied the Avalanche. So that's gonna be an interesting one to come down to, really, especially in the Metropolitan. Well. Not really, because the Hurricanes, if they win tonight, they clinch it. But, you know, the Bruins made it not fun in the Atlantic. No one, there's no, nothing what down to the wire. <laughs> great time. You're having a great time. Um, but, yeah, another NHL news before the playoffs tonight. It will be Patrick, um, Jonathan Taze's final game as a Blackhawk. The Islanders, the Blackhawks have already said they will not extend his contract. Taze has had some health problems in the past couple of years. So it's the final game for the Blackhawks captain, and this will definitely mark the end of the era of the three and six team. Yeah, um, you know, obviously all good things must come to an end, and you know it's time to look at the future now. I hope he just retires. That'd be yeah. much better. But I'm glad they're announcing this beforehand, where everyone's like, "Why did you not say anything?" But I mean, they're, pl- I mean, they got nothing to lose. I mean, or they do have a lot to lose. They could get the best odds in the. Draft lottery with the um if the Blue Jackets win the Blue Jackets have two more games, and then yeah, so we could get the best odds in the draft lottery. It's coming down to us the and then we're tied with the Ducks, so that'd be interesting to see if that happens. That would be. I want yeah. How about the Blue Jackets and the Ducks win and then how about the Blue Jackets win two games, and then well the Blackhawks have more regulation wins than the Anaheim Ducks, so. <laughs> I don't want to lose on Tay's night, but then again, Connor Bedard is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But coming into the close of the NHL seasons, let's look at the stand the stats one final time. It will be Connor McDavid definitely taking the points title with 152, beating out Leon Draisaitl by 27 points. And third is Nikita Kucherov of Tampa Bay, 112. David Pasternak of Boston with 111, and then rattling up the top five is Jason Robinson of Dallas with 109. And then goals, Connor McDavid will take that crown unless Pasternak scores four goals tonight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Miko Rantanen's in third with a 54. Leon Dreisaitl in fourth with 51. And then Braden Point of Tampa Bay with 49. And then the plus minus, all now all the Bruins are now in the top three. It's Hampus Lindholm at 50 plus minus. Matt Grizzlick, 47. And Brandon Carlo, 44. Enter Daniels. Yep. I was about to say, enter Daniels joke about Carlo. Yeah, that, that I don't like plus minus because Brandon Carlo being on this list is just. Mm. 
uh, Joe Pavelski of Dallas, 42, and then Thomas Tater of New Jersey, 41. Yes, it's time to talk about goaltenders. And then, and then Olmark will win the gold title with uh, .189 goals against the only goalkeeper to finish under a two-goal allowed per game. Linus Olmark with a .398 save percentage. That could potentially flip tonight, depending on how Minnesota plays. I, I don't know how much how one game would just like flip that, but I don't know. Especially Felipe Gustavuson, I think that's how you pronounce it. And then in wins, technically he could tie with Alexander Georgievitsky, or however you pronounce his name, from Colorado. That he could tie that if Boston does not, if they want to rest Olmark tonight or not play him, or they lose, and Colorado wins back to back. So he could tie that, but he can't lose that number one spot though. No, and that's the amazing thing about this Bruins team is that like Linus Olmark most likely going to win the Vesna this year. If you don't know, that's the goaltender of the year award in the NHL. But Jeremy Swayman, who is the Bruins' backup goaltender, is also probably at bare minimum a top fifteen uh, goaltender in the league. You could probably make a top ten argument. Uh, just two aces in net, which. Which will be very helpful in the playoffs, where you yeah. technically see your best goalkeeper play mostly every game. Mm-hmm. But then again, if it's like a 3-0 in the opening round, I mean, you can put out Swayman for a little bit. Just because you don't really see, like they'll do in hockey, they'll have the other goaltender play some nights. You don't really see that in playoffs, though. No. But it's just it reminds me a lot of the 2011 team that won the Cup. Because that team had two ace goaltenders in... Um, Tim Thomas, and then Tuka Rask before Tuka Rask lost his mind in the playoffs. Hmm. That that was a thing that started happening. Um, and then you had a lineup full of shooters, which this team does too. Oh, I cannot wait for playoffs, man. And I, I really hope we can shake off the President's Cup bug because I really think this team's special. And, you know, we this happened on Easter Sunday, but the Bruins won their 63rd game of the season which is a record in the NHL. So just history after history after history. Like Speaking of history, who's the last team to win the President's Cup to win the whole thing? The Chicago Blackhawks in 2013. And, yes, I'm aware of what happened. I wasn't even going to say that. I was just talking about the President's <laughs> Cup. It's the last thing to do. It'll be, I'm giving you a hard time. It'll be 10 years that the Bruins don't get it done this year. So if any team's going to break, it's leading out to be this one. Yeah. Um, this team's just built for playoffs. They're three deep at every spot on the ice, two ace goalies. So I really like their chances of being that team to get it done. I think you just can't get into a series where you're just – how do I say this? How you get into a series where you kind of take the other team, kind of play down to your opponent. Sure. I don't think, I think that's how that happens, whether it be, again, like a lightning – was like the Warriors where the lightning, lightning are still have a lot of that core – you don't want to get into it with that. I mean, I don't think the Leafs are going to do anything again. I don't think you really got to worry too much in the Atlantic. Um, I don't know, man. That Rangers team, since they got Patrick Kane, has been an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. We'll see that. But the Bruins are 9-1 in their last 10. Just Again, you don't like being too hot before the playoff starts because then you have to be like you have to win all these and like close together in a row. Yeah. I don't really see anyone in the West potentially winning. I could see the Avalanche potentially getting back. I think that's who you'd face in the Cup final. Mm-hmm. I don't really see anyone in the Pacific putting up any of a little bit of a fight. I mean, you got the Kraken. I don't see that. And then, yeah. But again, so I'm guessing you'd rather the Bruins win than the than the Celtics if it came down to it. Yeah, um, because the Celtics will have 
a few more chances with this core at least. Um, the Bruins, on the other hand, like this is kind of it mm-hmm. for now. Yeah, with this core, or and the fundamental pieces of the next core are in place with guys like, um, gosh, why Charlie McAvoy, David Pasternak, Ampus Lindholm. Like those guys will be here. They're, they're all still pretty young. Um, so the next core, like the blueprint set, but it, it, there will be some growing pains over the next few years. Speaking of growing pains in core, what is going on with Auburn basketball? That'll be our next subject after the break, so do not go anywhere. More sports are coming up right after this break. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg, and we are going to close out the First hour of the show with some Auburn basketball talk. Yes, Auburn men's basketball talk. Nothing really gone on in the portal the past couple. Oh, we had Stretch declare for the portal. There's that. I mean, thanks, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I got – I mean, he didn't play much during my time here. What about you, Daniel? Did he – Um, He played in a couple games at the beginning of the year. Like, obviously, when, you know, we're up 20 on South – 30 on South Florida or St. Louis, or we, or we didn't beat St. Louis by that much. But just in a game where we had a whopping lead over someone, he'd come in. Um, but the most – the game in our time here that I remember Stretch getting the most amount of minutes was the Nebraska game and Hoops giving in 2021. Yeah, I don't remember watching that one too much. But since uh, – oh, yeah, I was playing golf during that game. I remember that, yeah. But – Speaking of that, let's. I'm looking through the Auburn basketball roster. Yesterday was an interesting development where they had um, Aiden Holloway as well as Denver Jones already listed with their numbers. I think Holloway was one, and I think Jones was, I think, two or three. Or no, I think he was – I can't remember what Jones was. I think he was – I can't remember. It was like 10 or something. But nonetheless, they also did not include – the 2023 roster did not include Allen Flanagan. However, it did include Jalen Williams both – have their fifth-year COVID year, so they're still waiting for that decision. With Wes Flanagan obviously leaving to go coach with Chris Beard, I think, at Ole Miss. That's, has he announced that yet? I think so. I don't think that's – I don't – I mean, that's where I, everyone thinks he's going to go, but, you know, just I don't want to say anything until it's final because he does have a history with Chris Beard. They did coach with each other, but, you know. Yeah. There's that, but then again, I don't think Allen's going to come back. I don't think so either. I think I think Jalen will. I'm just not sure about everything else with that, but yeah, I think Allen will follow his dad potentially wherever he goes. So that leaves more scholarship spots. Just, but with we only you still only have one person signed for your class of 2023 or your class of 2023. Yes, high school class 2023, and then. You only have one thing, so we got guards. So I think we need to get another three or another four, just especially if Jalen has come back. And I don't know. I want to hear your take. What are your thoughts on Devin Cambridge coming back? Because we talked about this in our group chat last night. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not sold on the idea. Let me see what you think, though. I mean, it'd be good for depth, I think. Um, however, I certainly think better options would be out there. Mm-hmm. But it came to, if it came down to it, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I get kind of why he left, but then again, like going to Arizona State for a year to play with your brother and coming back, it's just especially with the way that he ended his 2022 season with Auburn. 
just he played pretty well in the absence of Allen as the starter in non-conference. And then once it got to conference, it was he made some dunks. There was that, but just the shooting. And he just kept taking shots. Yeah. And that's exactly what this team does not need because we don't have a Jabari to make up for that. We don't have a sometimes window green to make up for that, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, this roster is going to look different next year. And mm-hmm. we don't – there's a lot of unknown at this current time. Um, more unknown than there's been for Auburn basketball probably since going into the 2020, like 2021 COVID season. Because at that point in time, most of the Final Four team was gone. Um, and you just, you know, there was the one-year self-imposed postseason ban. So there was just kind of just a stigma around the program that wasn't very good. And then now, like 2021, 2022, obviously one of the best years in school history. And then this year, just kind of, you know, they made the tournament. They won a game in the tournament, but it was still just kind of, eh. But this a, year, I have no idea. I mean, I think we just need to get another center, man. I think that's we very do. important. Like, Dylan Carwell, great for morale, great human being, great ambassador for the school. But just when it comes to hoops, you he just doesn't have – especially when, like, they put him out there, get 2,002 minutes, and then, like, Jani has to come back in. That's never going to work. Like – there's a reason that there's been two transfer centers to come in and start ahead of him, and he's been here. He's now going to be a senior next year. Yeah, and he has two years of eligibility. So. He does, I remember that. Yeah, he's got the COVID year. And then, also, we're not talking about Leo Burma. We're not, I'm not sure if he's going to come back yet or not. But. Yeah. I don't know what some of those guys like, but, like, I know, is Jalen Harper coming back? I mean, he's not on scholarship, so. It's, up, mean, to, it's up to him, I guess. Yeah, Same. if he does, great. If not. Mm-hmm. But then again, just you just need that other center. I mean, Dylan's the only center listed on the roster. They still have um, Janai listed as a four. Hey, they have Haston Alexander. <laughs> but then again, it's like what we're saying. We need to get a transfer center. Like, yes, we got Aiden Holloway to replace um, Wendell. Yes, we got um, Denver Jones to replace um, Chance. Okay, great. We got the guards replaced. What about just the depth of the for- forward position? What about the three? What about sure. the five? Just you need to be able to find centers, whether it be. I'm not picky. I just don't. I don't see Cardwell being a reliable option for Auburn at the five. I agree. I just with the production that he like, he get he has the shot with him and Walker worked better than it did with this year with Janai in him. Because him and Walker were able to be more defensive-minded centers, and mm-hmm. then Walker inside could grab something and put it up. I think Dylan's really only baskets this year were just lobs, really, yeah. for the most part. Just you can't really rely too much on that. No, in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree. But then again, just priorities in the portal. I mean, there's uh, Akario Okendo from Georgia. Matthew Cleveland from Florida State, Jalen Hill, Oklahoma, Devin Cambridge. Again, just we just I guess they're just having to put trust in Bruce again. You know who I would really love to see a skit? Who? Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. The number one player in the class. Or transfer. He's a center. Oh man, his film is good. This would be phenomenal if we could get this guy. I just think he's gonna go to Maryland. 
Yeah. I think just because the his coach was from there and got Maryland. Um Yeah, man, it's just we just need to grab someone. I mean, I think this I think he'll go to I think Hunter Dickinson will go to Maryland just because I think that's where his uh coach was at. Mm-hmm. With that and just there's not too much stuff left. I mean, um in terms of centers and stuff in the portal, everyone's been uh, we had Caden Shedrick out of Virginia. That could be interesting center with uh, who knows how to play already. Um, yeah, just not a lot of just centers and power forwards just readily available. I think like these people, a lot of these players already committed pretty quickly after yeah. what went down. The the basketball transfer portal people seem to move a lot quicker than they do with football. I'd agree with that. Just. I don't know, I think Auburn needs to back off maybe a little bit with the guards and just go at it with the small forwards and the power forwards and maybe another center. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we wanted to land Jaden Bradley, I would be just fine with that. <laughs> I would be too, man. Just like, Then again, we already replaced two of our guards. Yeah. And technically we did. We could add one more since Zepp left, but we're adding Aiden with that. So. Hakeem Hart from Maryland. That would be a good one. Or Jalen Hill from Oklahoma. If we landed either of those, or Oliver Nakamu from Tennessee, if we got um, to the first two or small forwards to last as a power forward, I'd be fine with any of those. There are options here. There are. And I would really like to see Bruce get up on this. Bruce Pearl is from Boston. Chris Ledlam from Harvard, a small forward, is in the portal. Go get him. Ooh. Puff, jo- Puff Johnson out of UNC, that'd be interesting. Sure, go get him. Again, it's just what I think you're saying. Yeah, you just need to move sooner rather than later, especially with this now, because you can't be sitting on your heels forever. Yeah, you got Denver Jones, congratulations, but we have to start making some headwind quickly, especially with Eric Musselman. I saw a meme calling basically everyone who enters the portal, I feel like. Yeah. Since he lost a lot of those McDonald's All-Americans he had with um, Anthony Black going to the league. And everything else. But this will be a different Auburn basketball team next year. Sure. This will be different from what we see. It's going to be interesting to see who takes West Flanagan's spot in that recruiting trail. How that will affect our how we're going after guys in the 24 class. That type of thing. But nevertheless, we move. We move indeed. And that is going to do it for the first half of our show. When we come back, it's all about baseball. We're talking about the MLB in the second half of the show for a little bit, and then we got some other stuff coming up. So do not go anywhere. Second half of the show is coming up. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. And we have had a loaded show in the first half. We opened things up with a Masters preview and RBC Heritage recap. And then after that, we moved into some NBA playoffs talk, followed that up with some NHL playoffs talk. Then we talked about Auburn basketball and just kind of the roster moves they're making and some guys that Griggs and I would like to go see Bruce Pearl and company um, get in the portal. And now... We are headed to the world of Major League Baseball, probably my favorite professional sports league, I would say, and quite fitting that we get here at this point because first pitch in a series finale between the Boston Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays is just 10 minutes away. Actually, oh, yeah, that's the Oakland one with that. But, yes, 
baseball is back, and it's starting to get into full swing. We're starting to see more return enormously. So let's just kick it right to the standings. Starting off in the top of the um, standings, the only undefeated team left in baseball, one game away from tying the record for most consecutive wins to start a season, is the Tampa Bay Rays sitting at a 12-0, and already with a 65, plus 65 run differential on a 12-game heater. They lead the American League. East, which looks pretty competitive to start the year, Daniel. Oh yes, <laughs> they look they look sweet, and I really really hope that the Red Sox can hold them off today. Um, just because it would be nice to say that the Red Sox didn't let that happen, and the Red Sox went and got one game in this series. Um, because I'm not gonna lie to you, Griggs. It's already looking kind of rough this year. Are you saying it's not looking good, bruv? It's not. It's not looking good, bruv. <laughs> and I just, oh, man. Don't worry. There's still a lot more time left, Daniel. I know, but, um, like, tomorrow they start a, a four-game series with the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and then they have to go to Minnesota, or they have Minnesota at home. Then they have to go to Milwaukee and go to Baltimore, and then they have Cleveland at home. So just the rest of this month, like, None of those teams are super, super amazing, but none of them are bad. Um, so I'm just a little worried. Just a little bit worried. I mean, that's understandable. I mean, because like I just don't want them to dig a hole so deep in April and early May, like last year. That when the team, like the Red Sox, were the best team in baseball in June of last year. Hmm. Did they follow it up with being the worst team in July? Yes, but that's besides the point. Hmm. If the Red Sox hadn't dug such a hole in April and early March or, excuse me, April and early May, and they had just, you know, been average in those two months, then were the best team in baseball in June, and then just were average again in July, they'd probably make the playoffs. I mean, they definitely could. I mean, I mean, it's still the early part of the season. You just can't get too um, much of, like, into the early season. I think it'll, the race starting off 12-0 will definitely help them down the road. But, again, I mean, again, they just had some bad games. I mean, Toronto and New York are tied eight and four. Boston or Baltimore six and six, and then Boston five and seven. So it's hard to believe that we are already seven games back in the division. Uh, moving on to the Central, it's still pretty close there. The top, Minnesota is leading that division eight and four, followed by Cleveland at seven and six. Chicago at uh, at White Sox at five and eight. Royals four and nine, and Detroit at two and nine. Yeah. Kind of what we were expecting, really. I mean, I'd like the White Sox to be more competitive because that makes it, this division more fun where it's not just, like, the most boring division in baseball. Yeah. Just between the Twins and the Guardians. But, I mean, just look at those run differentials on the side of that. That's just brutal. Mm-hmm. Minus four for the Guardians, minus 17 for the Sox, minus 14 for the Royals, and minus 42 for the Tigers. Already this far into the season. Yeah. Into the West now, it's the Texas Rangers and the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, at seven and five each, followed by the Astros, defending World Series champions, at six and seven. Mariners at five and eight, and the Oakland A's at three and nine. Oakland about to face off against the Orioles here in about five minutes, so that's going to be an interesting game to see both teams. Orioles could try to pull themselves up above five hundred, and the A's are just bad, waiting for to go to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, but then it's nice to see the Angels in contention so far this year. Early, sure. I mean, that's probably, they're probably happy now because. Coming up on the free agency of all free agencies and Shohei Otani, I mean, 
you'd like for them to put on a performance where you're starting your best pitcher and one of your best hitters. I agree. Can't really lose that without some bad things coming your way. Moving on to the National League, it is the Atlanta Braves leading the a- the NL East at 9-4. and four. They have a lead over the New York Mets. They're two games above. Mets are 7-6. and six. Marlins 6-7. Six and seven. Philadelphia Phillies 4-8. and eight. And the Washington Nationals at 4-9. and nine. Phillies kind of surprised me right out of the gate. They do still not have Bryce Harper, but you need to do better than that. Like, they, they were the last team in baseball to not win a game. Yeah. So... If you're if you're a Phillies fan, I mean you're not loving this so far, but then again, like you need that to start get you need that to come start helping you out a little bit more. Um, and then the Nationals just terrible. Yep, very bad. Uh, moving on to the Central now, where this is a pretty close division to start off. It is the Milwaukee Brewers leading off with eight and four. They are a game above the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are seven and five. The Cubs are six and five. The Cardinals are five and seven, and the Reds are four and seven. The Cardinals did not get off to a really hot start, finding a way to get back into it a little bit more now, but they just could not. They just did not have a good start, especially with the roster they have, because everyone was saying they're a shoe in to win this division. Yeah, and I still just, think they will, but yeah, I think I think time will show that. Moving on to the West now in the final division, it is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Huh? Huh? Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Uh, Arizona leads the NL West eight and five, a game above both the Padres and the Dodgers, who both sit at seven and six. San Francisco Giants five and seven, and the Colorado Rockies at five and eight. So yeah, did not expect the Arizona Diamondbacks to leading to be leading this division so far with a negative two run differential. But then again, it is still very very early. And with that, Daniel. What has been your surprise either in both divisions so far through two weeks of the season? Um, I mean, like we just kind of touched on, the Diamondbacks leading the West was not on my bingo card to start the year. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in the East or everything in the, in the AL is pretty much what I expected to see at this point. I was expecting the White Sox to be a little better. Um, I was kind of thinking that the Yankees would be in a raised position as much as it you know, hurts to say that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, everyone's just kind of been solid um, in the East. Even the Red Sox have showed times of, like, not being bad. Um, so, yeah, I just don't – obviously, it's it's hard to, like, make any educated opinions 13 games in. But yeah. the Braves look really good. They do look good, yeah. Uh, the Brewers look good, but I think eventually, and the Pirates even look okay. So I think eventually, like it'll all shake out, and I don't know. Another week will be interesting to kind of see what happens with some of these teams who are leading their divisions right now. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I mean, of course, the Rays are the surprise. I'll get a little bit more creative. Just did not expect the Mariners kind of right now to start off the way they did, five and eight, really, right now after making the play, the postseason last year. I mean, I did not expect Houston to be under 500 through 13 games either. I mean, they really only lost Mancini and Verlander from if my memory serves me correct. Yeah. So they still got that core left infield and middle infield with Altuve. Um, wait, Correa's not. Never mind. It's Altuve and just that yeah, infield Correa. No, Altuve and Bregman. So I didn't yeah. really expect that. And then the NL, I mean, we touched on it a little bit. I mean, the Phillies, I mean – I mean, you went to the World Series last year, and you're now doing this, right? Just I didn't expect that, especially with the Mets. Not, I mean, 
if you're going to lose someone in baseball, let's be honest, your closer is probably the person that you're most okay with potentially losing. I mean, I guess besides maybe a reliever, because it's just so important for you to get that. Like, you know what I'm trying to say, where it's like you need that reliever to kind of help you out, where it's like, yeah, I don't know. But then again, also the Cardinals starting out that way. I mean, let's be honest. Do you besides Wainwright? Do you know one Cardinal starting pitcher? Nope. That's what's going to be their downfall this year. Nicholas. I, think. I th- hold on. Let me look at their depth chart. Um, I mean, oh yeah, Nicholas. You're right. But then again, just I think their pitching is going to be their downfall because they got some they got some dudes, man. They got Contreras, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Edmund, um, O'Neill these players and just I think they'll win the central but I mean you can't let teams you can't be like all right guys that's funny let's kick it in high gear now and then it's too late right like that and then yeah I think that this will be the last week we'll be talking about the Diamondbacks at the top of the NL West I'd love if I was wrong you would probably like if we were wrong too sure but I just don't see them being able to hold up against the Padres and the Dodgers right I don't either Let's look at some of the stats real quickly through one through a couple weeks. Starting off at the top of the batting leaders, it is Luis Arias of Miami with batting a cool 500, followed by Matt Chapman of the Toronto Blue Jays, 489. Bryson Stott in third of the Phillies with 420. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays at 417. And Chicago Cub Dansby Swanson at in fifth, hitting 400. Home runs, it is Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets leading the way at 6, followed by all these players tied at, in second at 5th, Max Muncy of the Dodgers, Rafael Devers of Boston, Ryan Montcastle of Baltimore, and Brian Reynolds of Pittsburgh. Those are the top five. Runs batted in is Mountcastle of Baltimore at 18, Alvarez of Houston 16, Matt Chapman, Blue Jays 15, Randy Rosarena of Tampa Bay 15, as well as Adam Duvall of the Boston Red Sox at 14. Leading the way in hits, it's Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman's been leading a lot of these batting categories I've seen so far. At 23, Luis Arreyes of Miami, 23. Bryson Stott of Philly, 21. Vladdy Guerrero Jr., 20, as well as Ty France at 20. And then stolen bases, two got, three guys are tied for the lead in first. Jorge Mateo of Baltimore, Ronald Acuna Jr. of Atlanta, and then Miles Straw of Cleveland, all at 6, as well as Tim Anderson and Torres in fourth at 5. Those are the batting leaders. And then pitching, three, five players are tied at three wins. Garrett Cole, Kyle Gibson, Julio Urias, Shane McClellanen, and Tyler McGill. Earn run average, there's two players at the top. It's Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rossman of Tampa Bay, both at a zero, followed by Otani at a .47, and Sonny Gray at .53, and then Anthony De Schlafina at .73. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sounds right to me. And then saved is Jordan Romeo, Romano of Toronto at four, as well as David Bednar, Josh Hader, and Holmes at four, and Ryan Helsley for St. Louis at three. Strikeouts, it's actually DeGrom and Strider, Spencer Strider and Jacob DeGrom of the Braves and Rangers, respectively, at 27. Pablo Lopez of Minnesota at 26. Kevin Gossman of Toronto at 25. And Dylan Cease at 24. He's in fifth. And then quality starts, all three tied for first. Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman, Julio Urias, and Kyle Freeland all at three. And those were your baseball stats. A lot of stuff there for sure. Definitely. A lot more than NBA and NHL. So that's different with that. And then, yeah, the Rays story of this segment, if you can tell your friends about it, Rays are now 12-0, one start short of best start since the 1900. Let's go Red Sox. Beat them today. We'll find out sooner 
then later. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the world of the NFL. Two weeks from today, it is the start of the NFL draft in Kansas City. We got you. We'll get you ready. Don't worry. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, where Rob Refsnyder just hit a home run to put the Red Sox up 1-0 over the Tampa Bay Rays in the top of the first inning with two outs. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Let's go. Uh, but yes, we are talking about the world of the NFL now. It is back to the gridiron as the NFL draft kicks off in two weeks in Kansas City, where the Panthers are on the clock right now. It's coming down to Young and Stroud. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top. I'm hoping it's Stroud, but I'll be fine either way. But let's get into some of the talk now. The um, For the one, the big story coming out of the NFL yesterday Saquon Barkley will not sign his tag before Giants preseason camp starts, which means he will be planning to hold out, I believe, for this. That's what that means. So Saquon Barkley is holding out for a long-term contract. Now, Daniel, we're not doctors. Unfortunately not. That paycheck would be nice. That would as well. But the thing is, we both watch ball. We know ball. Oh, we know ball. A running back like Saquon Barkley, who's already had a torn ACL, who's already had some injuries at that MetLife field, I'm not I'm not paying him a long-term deal. No. You're getting a year or two years. You're not getting a McCaffrey deal. You're not getting a other running backs deals that are just big. You're not getting like a, you're not an Adrian Peterson type of running back like No. I don't know what he's hoping for cuz you get a lot of money for that's that one-year deal gets you a, that one-year franchise tag gets you some money for a mm-hmm. one-year deal. I just don't understand like I guess some teams could use him, but I'm not paying him too much money, especially with the injury history he's got. Coming off of that, what do you think about that? Um, I'm kind of with you there. Um, just running backs are always a weird position because you know the longevity of it of them, just the amount of um, hits they take, and especially running backs who get a lot of carries, like you just. They don't tend to last incredibly long. Um, like Derrick Henry, he'll probably start taking a few steps back just mm-hmm. because the last couple of years he's been ran like a dog. He's just had so many injuries. Yeah. Just that. And just you don't want that really to just affect you in that regard. But then again, I mean, he's still pretty good. I mean, last year it was pretty good coming off that ACL injury the year before, but I don't know about if I'm giving him a long-term deal. I just play under the franchise tag and then earn your money back. Do what um, kind of like what I think Lamar did, even though he's still not been paid yet. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean. Uh, speaking of Lamar, he's still not had anything happen. I think we're going to find – I think Pugums are going to wait until after the draft to do anything with him, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. Um Lamar Jackson has film of being a really dynamic player and a really good quarterback, but there's also a lot of concerns on how is he in the locker room. Health. Health. Um, just there's a lot of things if I'm an NFL GM who needs a quarterback, I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch my head a little bit before I make any moves on Lamar Jackson. Uh it looks great on paper. Like it looks like a great move um to acquire him, but you know, you've just gotta think about the other things. Um, mm-hmm. The off the field stuff, the fact that he just 
said it was health, but did he just kind of walk out on his teammates there at the end of the year? Yeah, just that health thing, man. It's just so prevalent. Is that gone? Yep. Tie game. Crap. Yeah, I would like the the them just have pop ups and stuff like that right now, but yeah. But yeah, so the NFL is still going on. So the let's look at the I think what's it called the McShay's latest mock Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. Mm. He's got Bryce Young going to the Panthers at one. Even though him and Adam Schefter believe Young is the guy, even though that it's been talked about how um, Frank Reich has liked taller quarterbacks in the past, so that's interesting with that. And then Stroud going two to Houston, so Houston's just basically picking whoever the Panthers aren't going to take. I think yeah. that's what their mindset is. I mean, that's an interesting position to be in. You probably like one guy more than the other, but then again, you're still just getting a dude in that I second mean, spot. I just don't see why they're going quarterback when they have a perfectly serviceable quarterback in Davis Mills. Yes, Mills Mafia. We are a yeah. part of Mills Mafia. Like, like Davis Mills is a really good football player. He won that game last year against the um I think it was like the Colts that sure. got the Bears the number one pick. Right. And save I mean, if you're a quarterback like that, like I'm going for this win. Like I know they're trying if they got the number one pick, they're coming to get me. They're coming I'm losing my job. So mm-hmm. Earn what you got. He's also got the Cardinals trading, uh, the Titans trading up to draft where the Cardinals were. He's got them taking Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. So potentially, and then he's got Will Levis going fourth to the Colts. So four quarterbacks in the top four for Mel Kuyper's thing. I guess uh, Malik Willis is not part of the long term plan down there. I mean, that explain. I mean, they used a what fourth round on him? Third or fourth, yeah. I mean, just yeah, it just didn't work out. They gave a lot of stuff to that, and did he strike out? Yes, I will. But, um, yeah, I just don't with Malik Willis. It's just, is he the guy? Like they don't if they're if they think that they're gonna trade up to get that spot, they don't be. They're not thinking that he's the guy, especially no. with Tannehill still taking most of those starts, kind of. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm sure Malik Willis got into a game at some point this year. I remember him getting into one. Yeah, it's just a matter of playing in one, like the starting. Like I know he started one, at least one game, but then again, like. He didn't start like the beginning of the year. He didn't start till later in the year when Tannehill was either hurt or just they didn't think he was giving them a chance to win too much. Yeah, and then like a thing with the um, a thing you like that kind of just baffles me about the Titans is how in, in t- the twenty twenty one season they were the one seed in the American or in the AFC, and then now, um, you know they're looking like they're gonna be going full rebuild. So it's just. Like, there's been reports about them potentially shopping Derrick Henry. So it's just kind of interesting to me. That'd be interesting if they did shop Derrick Henry. I would want to see what he gets. I agree. Um, other news that's going on, Jeff Bezos is not going to bid on the Commanders. So oh, man. Our colleagues Alex and Connor are looking up into the sky right now, screaming, why them? It's kind of funny. Um, but then also another news this week, the Lions traded – Former number three overall pick Jeff Okuda to the Falcons in a I move I did not that. see coming. Yeah, yeah, Okuda's a good cornerback and was a good part of their defense last year, so I'm, I'm not really sure why that move was made. But go in, a re- in a return, the Falcons will send a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. So Okuda, the Lions' big brain, they traded a fifth-round pick for the number three overall pick in the 2022 draft. Who's not even bad. Big brain moves. That right was there. terrible, especially with a defensive coach like Camp, like um, um, 
Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Why am I? I can't believe I forgot his name. Forgive me. But yeah, especially with a defensive coach like that, like why would you trade up one of your best corners? I mean, does he just want more money than he wants? I just don't. I don't know. I that just could not me. disagree with that move more. I mean, great for the Falcons. They're building up on defense. Did he get another strikeout? Yep. yep. Um, they're just building up on defense in that regard. They're getting that stuff. It's just the Falcons are going to be a good defense next year. They got Jeffrey Bates from the um, Cincinnati. He played free safety. They got Akuda now. If they hit on a pick in the draft here, I mean, as long as they find someone to throw the ball, I mean, they got a shot to be, especially in the South next year, it's going to be anyone's division. Yeah. Where the quarterbacks right now are Derek Carr, Bryce Young, or C.J. Stroud, um, Desmond Ritter, and is it Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert? I think Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. Yeah, so if you're going to want to win the South, it's going to be this coming year. Yeah. Um, what else do we got in the works? It's just a lot of stuff about Will Anderson and then Bryce Young and then C.J. Stroud. Um, the NFL approves helmet to re- uh, reduce QB concussions. So I didn't think that was a his, uh, super issue, especially with the light hitting rules they have now. I guess uh, Tua Tungvaloa this year probably sparked a lot of that. I guess you're right, yeah. But then again, like that's just some freak accident type of stuff too. Sure. Um, we designed to reduce concussions, first approved by the NFL and NFLPA, uh, reduce the severity of helmet-to-ground impacts, which says account for approximately half of quarterback concussions. Huh. I mean, I guess the other half's head-to-head collisions. I don't know what else would be. Big math brains right there just – I mean, I guess that's good. I mean, again, with the stuff that happened with Tua, I mean, some of them just weren't, like, super, like, freak accidents, though, from what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. when you get thrown on the ground, that that's like an offensive line issue as well. I agree. And just throwing them down on the ground, like, that's just that's just part of the game, really. Like, not throwing them down, but just tackling, I guess, just that head. Yeah. Um, what? else is there to talk about um the Colts are going to focus on the NFL draft they're not talking about Lamar so that's another one that's not being talked about um what else what else what else running out of ideas yeah there's, there's not as much NFL content as I thought yeah it's not like we're not planning right now <laughs> since we said we didn't plan too too much this week um Ooh, this was an interesting one. Um, Devin White has requested a trade from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Pro Bowl inside linebacker in 2019 first-round pick wants a trade. Uh, he's become f- increasingly frustrated with the team and is fed up. Uh, they did not provide a root cause of his frustration, but he said he's unhappy with his current situation. I imagine that will be contract negotiations. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, the Bucks have said they do not want to trade him, but White wants to be traded as he's coming up on his fifth-year option worth Eleven point seven million, which the team has already picked up. So, a little bit of turmoil now there down there that Tampa Tom is not there. Yeah, um, very very interesting situation coming up there, and you know we won't see the Bucks we've seen the past couple of years, Gregs. We will not know, especially with, I mean, the last what what was it two years three years that he was there? Yeah, what was it twenty 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 one. Was it two years or three years? 2020, 2021, 2022. Three years. So it was three years, yes. So we're not going to see the same Tampa team that we saw. But 
short-lived era, I guess. I mean, he got a Super Bowl. I mean, it's like the same thing when people are talking about the Rams. Like, the Rams aren't that good right now, but, like, they won a Super Bowl. So, like... Right. I mean, that's the... That's the... It's almost now, like, we've talked about this before. It's now almost about how long the, like... How long the... Like, the... I guess above averages, how long that, like, thing is. Rather, when you're good, that span when you're good, rather than just winning one and just being, like, yeah. It's about how long you can be consistent for. Yeah, I agree. Especially in, like, the NFL and stuff like that. Ooh, Victor Hovland took the lead. Oh, really? Yeah, Joel Damon finished minus five. Okay. That's not bad. There's that. But, yes, that is going to do it for our NFL talk. When we come back, more sports coverage coming your way. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Greg Blankenberg. And we're going to talk some Auburn baseball because that's a sport here at Auburn University that we both love. Yeah, we've not talked about a lot about Auburn baseball this past couple weeks. Not too much to talk about, really. And it's not great, but... You know, let's go ahead and get into it. The Auburn Tigers are currently 19-13-1. Yes, they did tie USC due to a time constraint. They are 4-8 and eight in the conference. They're on a two-game losing streak. Currently hold a record of 15-6-1 at home, 2-7 and seven on the road, and 2-0 and oh at neutral sites. And unfortunately, it's time to come up against, they are facing off against the number of the Alabama Crimson Tide this weekend in Tuscaloosa. So that is going to be, an interesting matchup for the Tigers, especially with this Alabama team that's been ranked um, um, a couple times already this year. According to D1 Baseball, they are not in the rankings right now, which is the main ranking system for baseball. So Alabama has dropped from the top 25 in the past couple weeks. I remember them being on there. But this is a huge series for Auburn, not just because it's Alabama, but that road record, Daniel, speaks for itself. It does, and real quick, I'm all about the shameless plugs. I will have first alert coverage of this entire series live from Sewell Thomas Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, on behalf of the Auburn Plainsmen. So if you want to follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke, if you're unable to watch the games, I've got you. If you feel so inclined. If you, of course, of course. But, yes, yeah, so that is a very important series this weekend for the Tigers. They need to get it on the right track for the road games because – Teams above 500 aren't just shoe-ins for the NCAA baseball tournament. No. Especially with the predictions that came out this past week where they'd be going to Winston-Salem to take on the number two-ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons, which, in my opinion, has one of the best pitching staffs in all of college baseball. And you prefer to be in that two-seed spot. Right now they're currently listed as a three-seed in the Winston-Salem Regional. Yeah, it has not been good. And what you had to build off of last year, I mean, you had a great non-conference and a great start to conference. But then once you got into the end of conference, that's where you kind of struggled and you barely held on to that one of those last regional spots where now it's not looking like you're going to get a regional spot, so you have to figure out what to do. Yeah. Um, and then the Joseph Gonzalez will travel with the team this weekend, but he's still not able to pitch. I think that's according to our good friend and recurring guest, Adam Cole. So I don't know why he's traveling if he's not pitching or playing on pitching, I guess just for the, the fun of it. But you you need your pitchers back, man, because this team is the problem has been pitching. I've said it since the start of the year. I'll say it again. Just the pitching was what I thought was going to be the downfall of the team this year, especially when you lose all those arms to the draft, mainly in your bullpen. You have to figure out who's going to fill those spots. Yeah, and I don't really know what the plan is. Um, if we don't get guys like Joseph Gonzalez back. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> 
I hope he'll be back eventually. It's just right now, just like, it's just not looking, like, I'm an optimism sometimes with some sports. Actually, I'm not, I'm not a great optimism. But nonetheless, it's just, something needs to happen with this team. Like, they need to get, uh, they need to kick it into high gear before, um, before it gets too late where, again, power conference teams, the highest seed you can, the lowest seed you can get is a three seed. Yeah, I so, agree. So you can't let them stick around for too long and find a way to just mess this up, really. Yeah, and there's a very real chance that they do. Yeah, I mean, looking down the stretch, I mean, it's not easy. You play Alabama, who's been ranked some this year. You got Samford at home. Then you play Mississippi State at home. Then you got Troy at home. Then you go on the road to one of the better teams in college baseball right now. It's the South Carolina Gamecocks who, according to the rankings, let me look at the rankings again. I wish college baseball rankings were more accessible. Um, South Carolina is currently the number six team in all of college baseball at a record of 28-4. and That will be coming up on the, tw- the weekend of the 28th to the 30th of April. And then you don't have a midweek now. You take on the number one overall team in the country with most people thinking the number one overall pick in the 2023 MLB draft, Dylan Cruz. You're taking on the LSU Tigers. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Especially um. being – finals week the end of finals week and kids have already moved home graduations that weekend yeah against the best team in baseball in my opinion just they have they have their depth at every position their only thing that they lack a little bit could sometimes be seen as starting pitching but they they have one of the best teams in baseball like yeah they're they just, they're insanely good 26 and 5 they I don't think they've lost a series yet this year I think they not as good as the Tennessee team last year was it was, but this is definitely a team that's positioned for Omaha right now. Sure. Just really, really good team. And the, Auburn's got him at home, thank goodness, because if we were having to go to Baton Rouge, I would – I mean, I don't think we're going to take a game. If it ended, if it, you had told me right now, do you think we're going to take one of these games, I'd say no. No. If we get – I think Gonzalez is supposed to come back for this weekend. If you could take one from this LC series, I think that's a win. Like. Yeah, I agree. Um – and obviously, it's still a few weeks down the line, but I don't know. Moving kind of back closer to what's going on now, do you think we win a game in Alabama this weekend? I'd say no. I think we'll mess around. Maybe we'll get one. I think if we got one, I think it'd be Saturday. I don't think it's going to be Friday or Sunday. I think we can win one. It's just, I don't know, the 2-7 and seven on the road record, man, is kind of brutal. It is. It is bad. Um, breaking news right now to the Eagles, and that's Dan Snyder agrees to the $6 million bid. Ownership group, including Magic Johnson, is nearing a deal to buy the Commanders. That is according to Sportico. So take back what we just said about <laughs> a couple minutes ago about our friends being upset. They're now jumping with joy. Yep. Um, then Auburn plays Sanford again. They play Sanford a few different times, just random spots. It's kind of yeah. interesting how they do that. Um, they play Sanford again. I think this one, that one will be in. No, this one will be at home or in Birmingham or no yeah. Hoover Met. What's that's, that? The, that's in Birmingham. It's where the SEC tournaments played. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then at Ole Miss, who I think is ranked in base. And are they ranked this year? No. No, they're bad. Yeah. Yeah, boy. And Jacksonville State, and then uh, they take on Missouri to f- close out the year. So, out of these series, uh, I'll go. Bama takes the series two one. I think Auburn takes a series against Mississippi State 2-1. They lose the series to South Carolina, I think maybe 1-2. I think they're going to lose to LSU 3-0. Uh, Ole Miss, I think they can take 
two. It'd be very important to take that, especially there two and one at Ole Miss. And then at home versus Missouri, you have to go two and one. And I think that sets you up for a spot where you're a fighting between a two and a three seed at a regional site. You just got to hope you're one of the higher up two or three seeds, so you don't have to. You don't got to go to Baton Rouge. You do, yeah. I don't think they put. I don't think they put teams. So you won't play an SEC team. I don't think where you don't want to go to a Winston-Salem. You don't want to go to a, a Charlottesville. You don't want to go to Stanford. You don't want to go to Greenville, North Carolina. You don't want to go to Louisville, these type of places. Like, If it's setting up, I'd, I'd rather go to Boston College, <laughs> who's number 11 right now. That'd be insane. That would be like a dream come true for me. Um, I mean, Florida Gulf Coast is 26-6. and six. They're 15 right now. If you, want to go to, if you want to go to Campbell, North Carolina – I don't know where that beautiful is. Beautiful Campbell, North Carolina. Where's that? Out of the Big South Conference. Um, I forgot where. I think it's in Campbell. Well, no duh. I'm, but I think, uh, where's that in North Carolina? Um, I, uh, Buis Creek, North Carolina. Is that a close bull, uh, to you? Uh, I don't believe so. I have a friend who goes there. She plays. She does golf there. Um, distance from Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's see. Um. It's about two and a half hours from uh, middle uptown Charlotte. Okay. So around probably close to three for me. So it's gotcha. below Raleigh. Okay. So it's a little bit. It's about thirty minutes south of Raleigh. That makes sense. So there's that. So basically, bottom line is you don't want to have to play one of these. Well, technically, you can't play anyone in the top five except for Wake because every team, the SEC has one, two, three, four, five, five teams in the top ten. Uh, five of them being in the top six. So. Yeah, you don't want to go to Winston-Salem right now. Let me just tell no. you right now. You don't want to deal with that. And then I, I'd i rather – Boston College be a nice spot to go to just because – I would love that. They're not super, super strong. They were 1-3 and three last week. But then again, I mean, you have good luck at North in Chapel Hill, so that could work out well. I don't think you'd want to go to Florida Gulf Coast. <laughs> I'd be okay with Greenville, North Carolina. They, they are good, man. They're, I think they have the longest – I think they have, they're the team with the most super regionals that have, they've hosted without going to Omaha. Huh. Because I remember last year they were playing uh, the Longhorns, and they lost in three games due to a lot of weather. Just Yeah, um, just interesting situation here for the Auburn Tigers baseball team. Especially, like, a lot of people were high up on them this year. We've talked about this, me and you have. Just a lot of people were high up on them. I really was kind of reserved a little bit more just because, A, again, you can't lose all that bullpen talent and just expect to just – be like at the top upper echelon still, and it's hard to repeat to go to Omaha. I mean, for goodness sake, look at Ole Miss right now. Yeah. Look at Mississippi State. Those teams won it in back to back years. Now they're barely holding on. And then you got teams like LSU who were okay last year, not super great. Um, South Carolina, for goodness sakes, Auburn swept them. That was their first SEC sweep in four years. They're now number six in the nation with a new coach in his first year. So college baseball is just weird like that. It's more parody. It's not the same every year where yeah. everything will change. I mean, maybe we'll get one or two of the same teams in Omaha again as it was last year, but I don't know. It's just I like that it's like that where it's just nothing really ever is the same, which mm-hmm. sometimes in sports that can get annoying. I agree. But what do you think of these last couple of series? Because I already said my thoughts. What do you think it's going to happen at, in Tuscaloosa and then against all the other ones? So I think we win one game in Tuscaloosa. Okay. I think we win two against Ole Miss, two against Mississippi State, gets swept by LSU. Am I missing anything? Uh, Missouri to end the year? Uh, we'll win two out of three. And then on the road at number six, South Carolina. Uh, we're getting swept. Yeah. Columbia's returned. I mean, South Carolina's the last team to go back-to-back. 
still yeah. 2010 2011 so that's still a program with a lot of baseball history it's just again it's crazy how quickly they've turned around but then again just Auburn pitching like do you think this pitching coach is going to hold on for another year no uh, current pitching coach they miss Tim bad Darren Schrock I think that's what it is does yeah. not have an Auburn email listed so <laughs> um yeah just yeah you're missing Tim Hudson bad like very bad like I'm pretty sure Butch is making the mound visits now too. Is that yep. correct? Because you, because you cover them. I don't really watch. I've not been. I need to go to no more baseball games, but just been busy with school. But yeah, just so you feel like that's going to be a, a quick-lived coaching. I do. Yeah. Oh, man, just interesting year we've had last year. We had, we were we were spoiled our first year. We'll just say that. Sure were. Sure. Uh, gymnastics final four, baseball college world series, and they won a game in Omaha. Um, basketball number one in the nation. Um. Football made a bowl game. Um, <laughs> I mean, in football, we thought we were going to the SEC championship for a week. I mean, people talked about us after we beat Ole Miss. People were talking about could Auburn be the first ever two lost team to make the college football playoffs? Yeah, and then, yeah, that was short lived. Hey, but it was a fun ride while it lasted. But that is going to do it for our talk on the Auburn baseball program. When we come back, it's everyone's favorite segment. It's who you got. Me and Daniel will give our picks for some of the weekend matchups in the NBA and the MLB. When we come back, last segment of the show. Don't miss it. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Who says that you can't play your own show's outdated PSA during your show? Not I, said Griggs. No. But yes, we are back once again with the Eagle's Nest. It is finally time for the final segment of the show. It is time for Who You Got. Let's talk about the standings real quickly. Last week, Daniel went 5-5. Five and five. I went 6-4. and four. So the current standings with how many weeks we have left in the school year? We have three, maybe? Hold on. So two weeks for the NFL draft, and then hold on. So it's the 13th right now. We are going to have one show. Let me look at the calendar. The full one. We got one, two, three. Maybe four. So three or four shows left. So Daniel's got to find a way to get back into this one. It's anyone's game, though. But let's start off in the NBA. It is Chicago at Miami to face the winner to face the Milwaukee Bucks. This is tomorrow night. Daniel, who you got? Give me the Miami Heat. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Heat because they don't have DeMar DeRozan's daughter to come to the game and yell at the Miami Heat players that shooting free throws. That was so funny. I can't believe that. They equated her to the Auburn Screamer, as some call her, here at the Auburn Games. That was kind of funny. Um, not going to talk about who that is. <laughs> uh, OKC at Timberwolves. This will be to play the winner of the Nuggets. This will play uh, – words are hard. This will be <laughs> to play the uh, Nuggets as the eight seed. Daniel, who you got? I'm going to be honest, Griggs. I kind of like the T-Wolves here. Hmm. Any particular reason why? They got um, go. They got Gobert back. Gobert. I've always been big on Carl Anthony Towns, so I just think they're gonna get it done today. I got Oklahoma City, man. I really like Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's a really good player, and especially like Lou Dort's been kicking into high gear recently as well. I think Oklahoma City can get it done. This will be good for their building year because they still got a bunch of first round picks for this year, next year, as well as the years to come. Yeah, that's valid. Moving on to Game One, this will be uh, I think Saturday night or Friday night. I think Saturday night. Yeah. It'll be the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Boston Celtics at TD Garden in Boston. Daniel, I know who you got, but who you got? Give me the C's, baby, the C's. Yeah, I'm going with the Celtics. I don't think – I think we'll get one Trey game. I just don't think it's going to be this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with the Celtics. Moving on now down to Sacramento. It is the Golden State Warriors taking on the 
Sacramento Kings, a battle for the Golden State, huh? <laughs> where the defending champions are taking on the Kings, who are the three seed. Daniel, game one, who you got? I would love to pick the Kings, but I just think the Warriors are going to get started with a win. Yeah, I just the Warriors are too strong, man. Just this team's just too good. Give me the Warriors. Moving on to Saturday now, we're talking about Major League Baseball. Baltimore at the White Sox at um, uh, what's the new name of the ballpark? I think Great American, uh, um, Guaranteed Rate, gu- Guaranteed Rate Field. That's the one. Yeah. Daniel, who you got? Give me the. Who did I take? White Sox. White Sox. White Sox. I'm gonna go with Baltimore, even though Co-Pitch is pitching for White the White Sox. I think Baltimore is gonna have a better shot in that one. Tampa at Toronto. This could potentially be a battle for this is a battle in the AL East. Tampa could be fighting to stay undefeated undefeated right now, but Corey Kluber is shoving. So Daniel, who you got? For once, Corey Kluber looks good, but it's only the third. I I think Tampa's gonna win, man. I just it's hard to pick against them right now. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Tampa as well. Moving on to Brewers at Padres battle in the NL at Petco Park. Daniel, who you got? Give me the new team that homes Xander Bogarts, the San Diego Padres. I will be taking the San Diego Padres as well. Very good team right now, especially with they got some of their players back. Give me them. Moving on now down also, it's the Angels at the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park on Saturday. Daniel, who you got? Why not? Give me the Sox. I probably shouldn't be picking them, but I'm going to pick the Angels just because even though that Otani isn't pitching on Saturday, but I'm going to go with the Angels. Texas at Houston. Now, that might have sounded weird for me saying that, but it is the Texas Rangers taking on the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park. Daniel, who you got? Give me the Rangers, man. Mm. I, I like it. I'm going to go with Houston, man. If they got to they gotta kick back into gear soon, it's got to be against one of these AL West opponents. Sure. And finally, it is the Dodgers at the Chicago Cubs. will be at Wrigley Field on Saturday. Daniel, Final game, who you got? I'm going to take your Cubs, because why not? I'm surprised, because I'm not taking them. Because <laughs> I think the Dodgers are very good, and we're still trying to work out some stuff with the starting pitching. So I'm going to go with the Los Doyas. But that is going to do it for our show today. We want to thank everyone for listening along. If you missed any of today's show, you can check it out on your favorite podcast platform after the show is over, if you do feel so inclined. We'll be back again same time next week, 11 to 1 here on Weagle 91.1 FM. But until next time, for Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Splankenberg. This has been the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Have a great weekend, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.